You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another emergency off-season podcast here as Indiana fans today got really the biggest piece of news uh, that we could get this offseason as the final roster domino, uh, we assume, has fallen with Trace Jackson Davis announcing today on Friday afternoon that he is indeed returning to Bloomington for his senior season. Uh, Trace obviously put his name into the NBA draft and as you know, most of us know, had the unfortunate occurrence of getting COVID and not being able to go through that entire process. You know, don't really know exactly how that affected it and if he would have come back anyway. But the end result is that Trace is returning. Uh, and, you know, we've all been excited about that and what it could mean, especially with how he played at the end of last season. And one trusted voice on these matters uh, immediately tweeted out afterwards uh, and wrote an article that says that the return of Trace Jackson Davis makes Indiana the Big Ten frontrunner. And that man is here to talk with us about Trace's decision. The great Rick Bozich from WDRB. Rick, welcome, and thanks for being able to come on such short notice for this uh, joyous occasion for IU fans. Well, thanks for having me, Jared. Always good to talk to you. Um, I mean, I guess it's been trending that way for a while, but when he actually made it official, what, uh, 11 days before the deadline, that shows you how committed he is to doing it, and it was pretty clear in his mind that he didn't need to stretch it out any longer. And uh, it's hard to... uh, I think it's it's hard to really grasp what it would be like next year. They're going to have four seniors in the starting lineup. Uh, you know, obviously, two of them have been in the program the whole time, but Thompson and Jackson Davis had. It's been a long time since that's been that kind of situation at IU. And he, you know, the the part of it that I added in later after I wrote the story was he pretty much cements his legacy as he's going to go down as one of the top ten or maybe top five most uh, beloved IU players of all time because. He's staying around four years in a time when guys don't do that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've long said his situation kind of reminds me of Yogi a little bit, you know, where if Yogi would have left after his junior season, he would have had a lot of stats. And obviously, you know, we remember what he did as a freshman, but, you know, had a lot of numbers without winning a lot as a sophomore and a junior. Um, And that's kind of been what's happened with Trace. You know, he's been here at a very odd time for Indiana basketball. You know, was here with Archie Miller, then went through the coaching transition, you know, was a featured player as a freshman and has, I mean, done a ton as a player at Indiana. But the team hasn't really won until the end of last season when he, you know, really played his best basketball, broke the NCAA tournament streak. And so that was always going to be part of his legacy, even if he left. Now he has that chance to come back. You know, as you said, Indiana, I mean, whether you think they're a front runner or one of the top contenders in the Big Ten, like, folks, get ready, because that's going to be the conversation now moving forward because of the roster Indiana has developed. And with the numbers that he's likely to put up, the career numbers he's likely to put up, the accolades and the potential to to punctuate his career with a big-time winning season, you're right. I mean, he really has a chance to cement his legacy as one of the great Hoosiers uh, who have played, um, which is, you know, which is really an amazing thing to to be here and to be able to watch. So what do you, yeah. by the way, you said earlier, four seniors in the starting lineup. Who's the fourth senior? Are you, are you penciling Miller Cop into the starting lineup? Yeah. I mean, I know his spot isn't guaranteed, but he did start every game last year, right? So he did. 
<laughs> Mike Woodson's um, seems to be again. I got to trust older guys. I know that Geronimo and Bates and stuff are going to be in there scrapping for time, but I guess I should rephrase it to say the potential to start four seniors next year. Yeah, because we know the other three are going to start. So, so what do you expect now from Trace as as a senior? Um, you know, obviously he's been a guy that you know, has been, I guess, criticized at times for being a bit one-dimensional as a player on the post. We started to see more dimensions from him toward the end of last season, although none of those dimensions were really shooting or stepping away from the basket. He's obviously been working on that to prepare himself for the combine, even if he didn't get a chance to go through it. What do you expect from him as a player in his senior season? Um, You know, what I expect is for him just to play with that edge that he played with after he got chewed out at halftime of the Michigan game and looked like the season was going to end on a very sour note. And after that, he picked it up and finished strong uh, the last four and a half games because he, you know, was a little bit more demanding and a little bit more of a leader for the rest of the team. Um, everybody talks about his offense, but to me, his biggest contribution to IU and the biggest upgrade he made last year was as a defensive player. I mean, he blocked so many shots. He was so um, such a good help defender. Uh, he did get beat sometimes against some of the bigger dudes, but Kofi's gone. Uh, Travion Williams is gone. Some of the guys that gave him trouble at times should be gone. So um, I, I expect him to be – the growth he has to make in his game is obvious. He's got to – if he could ever show he could make a 10- or 12-foot jump shot and make defenders come out and, and, and you know respect that part of his game – and improve his ball handling, he would take it up to the next level. And he knows that. I'm sure that's what he worked on when he was out in California. But um, he's got to get to the point where he's comfortable doing it in the game, obviously. Now, you've got this great statistical note in your article that Trace ranks number 15 right now on the all-time scoring list with 1,588 points. If he just duplicates the 639 points he scored last season, he'll jump to third. Trailing Calvert Chaney and Steve Alford, which is incredible. And he's also number nine on the all-time rebounding list. Uh, and, you know, it could potentially, as you said, you know, overtake the top three, Alan Henderson, Walt Bellamy, and Kent Benson. When you think of Trace as a player, you know, numbers don't always tell the full story. When you think of Trace as a player, do you think of him on the level uh, of those guys? And and if if not, do you think there's anything he can do here in his senior season to not just be on the level of those guys statistically, but on the level of those guys, you know, uh, qualitatively when Indiana fans kind of think of the best players in IU history? Yeah, I, I think of them that way statistically, but what separates those guys, uh, not Bellamy because it was a different era, but those guys were in the NCAA tournament every year. Those guys were uh, Final Four guys. I mean, Alford won a national title. Benson won a national title. Henderson would have won a national title, as would have Cheney if Alan Henderson wouldn't have got hurt. I think in in was it ninety three they hurt his knee, I believe it was. Yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that's the next step. And I think because of him growing up in Indiana and him seeing uh, where the program was to where he's brought it, I think he gets that. And I, I think that's part of the reason why he comes back. He's talked about how. Uh, important it was for him to make Indiana basketball uh, nationally relevant again. Now it's a, it's obvious the thing that we haven't talked about is the NIL situation is is got to be a big contributor to make him come help him come back to IU where he can make money probably at a higher level than he could have made as a as a lower level pro because if he would have gone to the NBA, you got to figure at best he would have got one of those uh, two way contracts where he would have been part-time G league, part-time in the league, but he can probably top that at, at Indiana. But 
Um, in the comments he's made, in the things he's done, even in the post he made today on Twitter, uh, it's obvious that you know the his legacy at IU is important to him, and he's yeah. got a chance to write uh, quite a chapter here this next coming year. And Race Thompson is his buddy, and he came back. He made the decision earlier, and I think they both get that. Where you know they got punched around pretty good at, at, as freshmen, and uh, they still have lost how many times to Rutgers in a row? Four or five. They they got some catching up to do to Purdue, so they've got some things on their list that they need to put up in the locker room that need to change around the program. Yeah, you know, you mentioned NIL, and that's a, a great point. Um, it really has changed the equation for guys like Trace. And we've seen a lot of players like an Armando Baycott, you know, who really improved his profile in the NCAA tournament, probably would have gone pro, you know, in a previous era. But now he can come back and, you know, like Trace, probably make more money than he would with a two-way contract. We, of course, you know, don't have, uh, you know, boosters running around tweeting like the guy from Miami, how much you guys are getting paid. Like, do you have a ballpark figure in your head for what a guy like Trace could make in this era of NIL? Like, is saying $250,000, like, is that reasonable to expect that a guy like him could get? I would think so. I mean, if Nigel Pack could get $400,000 at Miami, I would think Trace yeah. uh, Jackson Davis could top that at Indiana. I don't know if it's true or not, but I mean, Jeff Goodman tweeted after Oscar Shibway decided to come back to Kentucky, uh, a projection, I think, of $2 million. Um, <laughs> So, you know, I think that seems a little bit high, but I would think considering, you know, the, the importance that Indiana places on basketball and the collective that they already put together with the, the Fred Glass Collective, where I think Race and, and Trace are already involved in that. Uh, that he would have a chance to to be up there, you know, at, at the highest level of, of of guys in the game. Yeah. So let's. I want to look real quick, and I know we got to get you out of here soon. I want to look real quick just at where you think this puts Indiana in the hierarchy in the Big Ten and nationally. Because I'm with you. I mean, you know, you look at who's coming and who's going in the Big Ten, and there's still some decisions that need to be made. But I don't think you're going to find another roster that looks better. I mean, Michigan obviously is going to have a lot of talent, but who do you think is up there at the top of the Big Ten right now with Indiana roster-wise? Well, I mean, most people put Michigan, but hasn't Caleb Houston announced he's staying in regardless? I think uh, that's Dickinson's the rumor, at least. Back. Yeah, Dickinson's coming back, and they have a good recruiting class. And don't, is the other guy, was Diakate? He's still up in the air, is that correct? Uh, and I think he was really yes. good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, They'll, they'll be good because they've got good players coming in and, uh, you know, Dickinson makes them a force. Michigan State is projected up there, but they've lost a couple of their, their big guys. And now Christie's staying Christie's in the draft, too. That's yeah. another one. Uh, Bingham's in the draft. I mean, they're going to be rebuilding a bit. I don't know what they've gotten out of the portal. Um, Illinois is losing Coburn. Uh, that's a big loss. Now, he has uh, – he got a big – transfer i think out of texas tech right shannon isn't that when illinois get him yes uh, i believe so uh, So you know he's done a good job of getting guys out of the portal purdue's taken us they lose what stefanovich williams and ivy uh yep. and, and i don't know who they've got hunter out of the portal. hunter and, and thompson hunter. too i think didn't they? And thompson, yeah so they lose some of their depth and although they're recruits i, I don't think like Braden Smith and Lawyer are the kind of guys who are going to come in as freshmen and and be feared players in the Big Ten. They're going to be three- or four-year guys. So I think Purdue's going to be regrouping a little bit. Ohio State loses Branham and Liddell. I mean, they're too big. I don't see 
I mean, Indiana's got to be the pick to win the Big Ten at this point. Wisconsin loses Johnny Davis. Iowa loses uh, Murray. Um, you know, I, I, who else would you pick? No, I agree with you. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of people have said to me, like, well, let's calm down. Let's let this group actually win something before we start talking about them as front runners." And I'm like, look, I'm not telling you it's going to happen. I'm just telling you that when you look at the rosters, when the dust settles, this is where Indiana is going to be positioned among the experts because they've got as much talent on the roster as anybody in terms of guys who are returning and we know what to expect and freshmen that have a good pedigree and that, you know, people expect will be able to play right away in terms of national. We'll make this the last question here in terms of national, you know, you look at Bart Torvik, you know, he kind of has a, a, you know, constantly updating uh, off season projections. He has Indiana 11th right now. His algorithm has Indiana 11th, one spot behind Kentucky, North Carolina at sixth, Arizona, who Indiana is slated to play on uh, December 17th, is at uh, third, and Kansas is at ninth. Where do you kind of see Indiana stacking up nationally? And, you know, how important is it that Indiana is going to have its centerpiece, Trace Jackson Davis, as it now steps up into playing this more nationally competitive schedule? Yeah, I mean, I think nationally there'll be a hesitancy to put Indiana up that high among some people just because those other programs did more last year. They've done more over recent years. And obviously Indiana hasn't really been, um, you know, top of the line relevant nationally since 2016 when they won the big 10 and made it to the sweet 16. And that's really the only one year since 2013. So there'll be a reluctance among some people to, to go all the way in. And uh, there'll even be a reluctance among, I think some people who take a closer look at it to say, yeah, but they still don't have a shooter. They still have to prove they got guys who can make three-point shots because we've seen uh, the struggles they've had shooting the basketball now for the last four or five years. And although, you know, Cop is back, he he wasn't uh, enough of a contributor last season, uh, as you mentioned, uh, to pencil him in automatically as a shooter. They still have to find a guy who can make shots. And they know that, though. Mike Woodson knows that. Uh, and he's going to be at Huber's up here, uh, you know, 20 miles from here. Uh, Wednesday night will be the first time, really, I think he gets to talk about the Jackson Davis thing, and that'll be a, a question to ask him. But in terms of, you know, the defense should be even that, – that's the thing. They were a top they, – they finished the year just outside of the top 20 in defense, right? They were in the top 20 most of the year, and then they yes. fell out. The in, in, in Ken that St. Mary's, Mary's game was a oh, disastrous boy. defensive performance. So, you know, they've got a potential to be a top 20 defense for sure. They should be. Uh, and offense is where they're going to have to make their strides. And Jackson Davis will have to contribute to that uh, by coming even a more consistent uh, offensive player. That's the one knock I think you can have on him, that he had games last year, especially after – did he get hurt against Maryland? Uh, he had he had a stretch where, you know, he played okay. Nebraska. But, I think Nebraska, Nebraska took that hard it, fall. It was Nebraska. Yeah. And he had a stretch where he played okay, but – he had too many games where like he started a little bit slow and the whole team started slow. He's going to have to, he's going to have to bring it the way you do when you're a really, if you want to be a, you know, a wooden award contender, if you want to be a big 10 player of the year, if you want to be a first team, all American, you got to bring it from November to March and show people that you can do that. And that's, that's another upgrade he needs to make in his game. Absolutely. You can follow Rick's work at WDRB.com return of trace Jackson Davis makes Indiana big 10 front runner, man. That's a fun headline to read. <laughs> I, do you, do you, you think it's too? You think it's premature? I mean, I don't think it is. When you look not at all. The- no, no, it's not. I mean, look, you have to look at it. 
we're, we focus on Indiana, hyper-focus. We know all the warts of this team. Trace's right. inconsistency, inability to shoot, relying on some young guys. Can Tamar Bates and Jordan Geronimo emerge? Like, I get all the question marks. But the thing is, look at all the rosters. Who has more question marks in the Big Ten? And you start looking at it, and a lot of the other schools have more question marks than we do. So, right. you know, I think it's fair to look at it that way. It guarantees nothing, but... Well, you know, the thing is, if you're going to be good, you got to embrace the pressure. Mm-hmm. You, you can't hide from it. You can't run from it. You can say that's too soon. I mean, good programs, that's the way, that's the expectation every year. And if Indiana is going to get back to what Indiana used to be, that's just part of life. And, you know, I'm glad that Mike Woodson has gone out and got Arizona and he's got Kansas on, on the schedule. And, um, you know, at this point you look at, I would think that they'd get, you know, Duke or Carolina or Virginia in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. I would think ESPN would look at Indiana and say, they got all these guys back. Jackson Davis is coming back. They deserve to play, uh, and the game will be in Bloomington. They deserve uh, to play a top-of-the-line ACC team in the Challenge. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Rick. Well, thank you for being here on short notice. Uh, I retweeted your article. Everybody go check that out, and uh, go White Sox. Beat the Yankees three-game series. That's right. Got to get back on track, man. Thanks, Rick. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. All righty. Okay, we are going to try and bring in uh, here a friend of the show, Scott Agnes. Uh, Scott, of course, writes for the Fieldhouse Files, uh, covers the Indiana Pacers as well as anybody, uh, and is at the NBA Draft Combine. Uh, and tweeted out earlier today, IU forward Trace Jackson Davis finalized his decision for next year, how missing the NBA draft combine with COVID-19 uh, impacted his decision. So I'm hoping we're trying to connect with Scott while he's there. Uh, he's muted right now. So if Scott can hear me, Scott, are you with us? I got you, man. How do I sound? Excellent. Uh, you're a little echoey, but it's good enough. It is good enough. I appreciate well, you it's, coming on short notice. It's either, Jared, it's either that or horn something. I'm in the uh, middle of a stairwell right now, so that it blocks out the noise from the uh, scrimmage that's currently ongoing. Yeah, yeah. No, no. It's perfect, man. So uh, so give us kind of the backstory here. You know, obviously, we all knew that Trace, you know, was going to the Combine. Everybody was looking forward to seeing how he would do. I think a lot of Indiana fans wanted to see him do well, as much as we wanted him to come back, you know, wanted to see him show out and put his best foot forward. And everybody was shocked when the news came out that he wasn't in the five-on-five and then the news broke that he had COVID. So what's what's kind of the story there, and how did that impact his decision? Yeah, so, I mean, all along, as we kind of all suspected, he was, he was in that range of a second-round pick. Just how high, it's not exactly clear. For example, the Pacers on the 31st pick, I think that would have been a huge reach, you know, for the Pacers, for example, or another team in that range. I think probably mid-40s is where I would probably pencil him in, should he have gone through it. But... Um, especially to, to this audience, a college audience that may not be in tune with all the NBA stuff. I can't emphasize enough, Jared, how missing this week, how, how uh, impactful and influential uh, that probably was because this is where the NBA world is. This is where interviews transpire. Even if he didn't go through the stuff on the court, there's constant interviews and, and measurements that are official that teams not only want but need really, to have a full scope of their evaluation here. And so testing positive last week for COVID just 
such a negative and unlucky break for, for this guy who last year didn't put his name in the draft. Two years before that, during the pandemic, I think he absolutely would have. And I'm not so sure that if everything was normal during that period and he had gone through the process and gone to the combine, presumably, and the pre-draft workouts with teams, I'm not so sure he wouldn't have been gone after that first year. But then COVID threw a wrench into all that. And so it brings us to today here. Jared, this is not a huge surprise, especially in the NBA world. I was talking with three different teams yesterday, just mentioned while talking about other stuff, hey, thoughts on Trace? Are you guys going to try to bring Matt out for a workout? And they're like, I don't know. Do you know if he, is he doing workouts? We don't know. Well, clearly not. And yesterday he got on a Zoom, I was told, with Coach Woodson in the afternoon and finalized his decision. So what, I mean, I, I mean, in this, to a certain extent, I think the answer to this question is obvious. It's shooting. You know, but what is he really going to need to show now this season? Maybe in addition to, you know, to shooting – that yeah, because you said something interesting there. Actually, let me go back for a second. You know, you said that you think that he might have been, you know, top thirty-five, top forty. You know, we've seen reports. I think Jeff Rabjohn's, you know, reported that, you know, in Trace's mind, if he was going to be a top thirty-five-ish pick, you know, he was probably going to go, and that's kind of right in that range. So, uh, do you think that you know, because it, it was kind of uncertain, like, okay, how likely is it that he's really going to go? Um, mm-hmm. It, it kind of sounds like you think that him getting COVID and the timing of this and not being able to go through it, you know, may have really impacted the decision more than maybe some fans were assuming if he was going to potentially go in that range. Sure. I, I would say I would put him out just outside of that. I think Rabbi posted top 35. I did not see him in the thirties. Kind of in that forties range is what I was expecting. Probably 43 to 48 realistically. Yeah. But here, here's the other thing I want to emphasize too, Jared. I, yes, he's missing the combine, but I think his best opportunity would have been, and he still could have. I, I do not know the condition. Did COVID hit him hard or is it uh, you know, asymptomatic or that type of thing? However, um, I think his, the biggest opportunity for him to impress on teams would have been traveling around and visiting with them because we all see likable young man, carries himself well, would do well in interviews. Teams would really – uh, get a better feel for who he is when they're grabbing lunch with him, when he's meeting team staffers, when he's in the training room and how he carries himself. Then on top of that, most teams you know, run three on three during this time. So he would have an opportunity to show off all those uh, new skills he's either added or worked on uh, for the last uh, month and a half or so, it seems like, out in Los Angeles and added to his game. That's something they want to see. And then on top of that, if he could really perform well in three on three, that's where you can – often see a guy, especially maybe, you know, say he's at 48 right now. He impresses well, performs well on the court, and his measurables, don't forget about all that and what that means for teams, and he doesn't even have that to pass along to teams. Maybe he jumps up to, you know, seven spots and is 38th or 37th, and that does redirect his decision. So, uh, yeah, that, that's why it was so important for him to go through the full process, and he really wasn't able to. In your mind, uh, and I know we only have you for limited time, so just a couple more questions. Um, in your mind, is it as simple as saying he needs to show that he's got a jump shot to, you know, to get up into that maybe end of the first round, top of the second round, or are there other things, whether it's skills or potential measurables, that you think are holding him back too? Yeah, I think it's a few more things than that, but obviously get off the block a little bit more. We already see his touch and his consistency around there. But, uh, I mean, if he's going to be – the trouble for me is what is he, right, in the league? He can't, I can't imagine him defending threes of today. 
He's probably a four, but fours, you absolutely have to be able to have an outside shot. And one thing, you know, he does need to absolutely show, and I think this is partly on the IU staff, in my opinion, is also utilize him in different ways, more of a pro style and, and demand that he takes more, you know, elbow jumpers and things like that. Whereas, I mean, I, I looked it up last night. I was stunned, even though I knew, but he had, he had made a three in college. Like that would be a big red flag for me. I mean, locally to bring it back local covering the Pacers, Miles Turner is one of the Pacers best three point shooters and he's their center. So that's, that's a huge dimension that Trace is missing. And I think as always with any young player, like, like Trace at 21, 22, like he is, add a little more bulk as well because he's got that thin frame. Yeah. Last question for you, Scott. You know, being there, you know, so close to the, you know, to the combine, it's such a new context right now, especially for guys who are trying to make this stay or go decision with NIL. What's kind of been the scuttlebutt about how NIL is impacting the decisions of guys like Trace and others, you know, who now clearly have more options, uh, you know, as as they come to the combine and, and, and kind of assess what they want to do with their future? Yeah, and that's a great point, Jared, because I even had one team president yesterday go, you know, is he, if he's staying, what kind of money is he making? Because they know top guys at elite schools are pulling in 500000 600000 and And I don't mm-hmm. think any of us have a, a clear understanding of maybe what his value, what he is earning right now. I would estimate at least five figures. Like, that's a no-brainer. Uh, and that would probably put him up at least near or around the G League range. And that would be have to be the uh, consideration, I think, in all this as well that Trace had is, would I be better off for my career moving already and going pro, even if it's in the G League for a year or two? Would that be sustainable? But with his NIL interest, with being a, a fan favorite and very likable in the state of Indiana, I absolutely believe that that had to be a factor in his decision as well. Yeah. Well, Scott, thank you so much, man, for jumping on on short notice. Uh, for all the Pacers fans out there, make sure that you're following Scott Agnes. Read the Fieldhouse Files. Uh, really appreciate all the, all, the, uh, all the insight today, Scott. Yep. Thanks for having me on, Jared. You guys do great work. Thank you, man. Enjoy the rest of the combine. Absolutely. Will do. All right. Take care. All right. The great Scott Agnes, everybody. Uh, here, we're going to bring in our friend Tony Adranya, the coach, to talk about this. But before we do that... We do have to get in a word here for our presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network, uh, which, of course, is... I mean, look, I feel at this point, there's not even really much more to say about Home Field Apparel that you don't already know. They are... I was trying to explain this to someone earlier today, that like just the unique brand that they've built in the college sports fi- space the enthusiasm and the loyalty that they have among their fans and customers to where you got people like coach and Andy that love their Indiana gear, but they'll just order from other schools because the designs are so cool and they constantly have new uh, products coming out. Like they're getting ready to release their, uh, release their Arkansas a product line this week. And they give such special attention to the new fan bases, you know, and kind of make it a week celebrating that school's, you know, traditions and these new logos And they've just kind of created this ethos of college sports fans that really respect and honor the traditions of these great colleges and universities. Uh, And that's just that's part of what makes them special. So go to homefieldapparel.com, whether it's Indiana gear or gear for the hundreds of other schools uh, that they have there. Uh, You can get 15 percent off when you use our promo code home 
H-O-M-E. Certainly, this feels like a great occasion uh, to celebrate and order some Indiana gear. Uh, so do that, Home Field Apparel, uh, promo code HOME for 15% off your first order. All right, well, Tony, big day. Trace Jackson Davis is coming back. Um, you know, Scott mentioned there something interesting. You know, we've talked a lot about Trace and, you know, needing to get this face-up game, specifically with shooting. I mean, he's shown that he can face up and drive when he's got, you know, an athletic ability advantage. But, you know, not making a three, not really being comfortable shooting, as Mike Woodson has talked about. It's like, I'm giving the guy the green light. He's got to be comfortable. You know, Scott mentioned something interesting there, that, you know, as much as it's on Trace to develop the skills, it's also on the offense to put him in positions where he could potentially showcase them. So let's look forward to next season. What does this need to look like? to maximize what Trace does well, but also, you know, hopefully showcase the things that he needs to show NBA teams that he's ready to go to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first and foremost, uh, it's tough to follow Scott Agnes. Uh, that dude does awesome work. Uh, <laughs> he's awesome, man. He really is. And, and uh, you know, I can't say enough about his Fieldhouse Files stuff. Like, he is the go-to on anything Pacers-related. Uh, me being a big Pacers fan, um, it's it's an easy uh, – Easy decision to to support him, but with that said, uh, in terms of Trace and, and kind of what the offense needs to look like to, um, you know, kind of highlight the abilities that he's been working on over the past month. You know, I just tweeted out that not lost on all this is that Trace just spent a month, um, you know, working on NBA skills, and and that's that's big for him, but that's big for IU. I mean, because that that really is like getting more comfortable. Like he's I guarantee in those workouts he wasn't doing a bunch of like 10 second back downs into left hand, you know, baby hooks, which is like half of the offense we saw last year from him. So in order in terms of what the offense needs to look like to showcase those things, I think number one is the ability to pick and pop. Um, you know, the, the majority of what IU did out of the screen and roll and, and while the screen and roll uh, was effective towards the end of the year. I mean, it was it was screen and roll offense. You know, it wasn't a decision for Trace to possibly go get into some space um, to kind of pick and pop very often. It was him going to the rim, XJ trying to draw his defender and lob it up um, to Trace, which again, effective. I'm not saying they shouldn't do that moving forward, but um, there definitely should be opportunities for Trace to pick and pop. And then in the pin down game, um, which Mike Woodson likes to run a lot of pin down actions, which uh, you know, that's terminology for a down screen. Um, you know, having the ability to space after those pin down actions, I think not only will highlight trace possibly, you know, like corner threes and things like that, but it's going to give that guy coming off of that pin down um, a lot of opportunity to to create in space. And then if he can draw traces defender, then he can kick the trace and he's got opportunities there in the corner. So, um, you know, th- there's a lot of easy tweaks and, and um, I think it'll almost be more natural for Mike Woodson um, to kind of highlight an offense around that and not around like a big, um, you know, for a guy that comes from the NBA game, I almost think it's easier um, for him to kind of almost go back to his roots of like kind of playing open. You know, the, what we heard about was like four out one in coming into this year. And then he kind of realized like, Oh crap, I got two really good post players that aren't very effective from the outside. And he kind of had to shift things around as he went, but um, I actually think it'll be more natural fit uh, for Woodson to kind of work trace in the areas where he he can be effective um, with some kind of newfound skills. 
look, this is undeniably a great day. You know, one of the most talented players in IU history is coming back. He's going to be here for a senior season. It is unquestionable that Trace makes Indiana better, you know, especially on the defensive end from what we saw. Let me play devil's advocate for a moment. Um, you know, and this is not to not to downplay the importance of this, but just I think to add a little color to the conversation, which is that, you know, we spent a good portion of last season in January and February lamenting this offense and the struggles of this offense. And it is easy to forget some of that with how things went in the second half of the Michigan game and then for the next, you know, six, seven quarters, you know, when Indiana, you know, did some things they hadn't done in a while and really ended the season on a nice note. But this offense struggled, and, you know, when you look at it right now, you know, Trace and Race are back, and they're going to play a ton of minutes. You've got the same guy running the show and Xavier Johnson. Um, we don't know exactly who's going to play that three position, but it's going to be a rotation of guys that we saw last year, Tamar Bates, Miller Cop, Jordan Geronimo, um, who struggled to be consistent. You know, and then probably a guy like Jalen Hood Shafino, you know, Trey Galloway getting some minutes as well. Neither one really known as a shooter, and you lost Parker Stewart, your most reliable three point shooter. How do you shake all these pieces up now this year and create an offense? You know, to <clears throat> if Indiana is going to be a top 15 team and a Big Ten front runner, they're not going to be able to languish with an offense in the 60s and 70s. But how, with a lot of the pieces being the same, how do you do that and expect the output to be? A lot better. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the one thing that I thought IU really struggled with last season um, was creators. And it was why I was one, I don't want to say I was in the minority, but I know a lot of people weren't excited about IU pursuing Dexter Dennis um, because of his kind of subpar shooting efforts. But I was excited about it because he's a creator. Um, and to me, more than shooting, IU needed creators last year. Like, you know, they had Parker Stewart, who was a 40% shooter, and he wasn't creating opportunities for other guys. He wasn't really opening up the floor for the big men. So um, I think Jalen hood Shafino being inserted into the lineup is key. Um, you know, he's got a Big Ten body. Um, he'll, be, he'll have opportunities to create and move the defense, and then you could work out of there. And it's why I, I still hold the belief that if Miller Cop gets some minutes – um, I'm not, I'm not saying he should get as many as he got last season, but uh, when he gets minutes, I think we're going to see his statistics go up, um, because I think he's going to have better opportunity based on the personnel, um, and, and kind of what IU wants to do on the offensive end to where he's going to get cleaner looks. Look, Miller cops, not a, a shot creator. Um, he has to have guys create looks for him and his best year at Northwestern was, uh, out of the pick and roll. They had a little point guard that would find him and he would knock down open shots. And he shot it over a 40% clip. So um, I think guys like Miller Cop will will benefit from having two creators um, in Xavier Johnson and Jalen Huchfino and possibly three if a guy like Tamar Bates is in that lineup as well. Um, you know, it's, it's ultimately going to come down to individual skill development. Um, I mean, it really is. And then Woody kind of putting all those pieces together to, to maximize the output um, from that individual skill development this offseason. Well, speaking of shot creators, our very own shot creator, Ryan Phillips, here, your initial reaction to Trace Jackson Davis coming back. Uh, just FYI, I'm mid-move, guys, so I don't have a whole lot of time, but, you know, it's, it's you know, just, it's, it's, it's a little, it's a little hectic here today. Um, I'm literally, you're on a, a moving box. That's where I'm setting up the, the, the computer today for this. So, uh, kind of 
Thank you yeah. for your sacrifice. Uh, you know what? I had to come on. Uh, no, it's a huge day. I look. I've been one of the people from the beginning saying that you know if Trace went pro. I thought that Race Thompson could really slide into that primary post situation for Indiana, and and they'd be fine. I think he's fully capable of doing that, and then also kind of be a a guy who could move out on the perimeter. Maybe more what Mike Woodson eventually wants. I I didn't think it would be you know, a huge, I thought it would be a loss, obviously in terms of proven production and what trace can do. And we've seen him just go nuclear at times as we did the last five games of the season, well, four, and then the St. Mary's game. But, um, I, I think that, and again, that, that was everybody. It wasn't him. So I'm not, I'm not denigrating traces performance in that game, but, um, it's a guy who has proven production and a proven ability to just take over games. And, and, and while race has done that, at times through his overall play, not necessarily his offensive play, but his overall play. It's just a guy, it's a backbone type addition, you know, to bring him back. And I think that at the end of the year, maybe midway through the year, we all kind of thought he's he's gonna go no matter what. He's just he's been on campus. He was he was a guy who was supposed to be here for two years and he's finished three, went through the COVID season, everything. I think guys get fatigued. And I, I do think him coming back, this is the opportunity for him to really improve his game. And he's got to spend this summer working and working and working on his game and expanding it to the perimeter a little bit more. You know, he doesn't have to be a three-point shooter, but he's got to have the threat of being a three-point shooter. And, and I think that that's what you want to see, not just for Indiana, but also for Trace. I mean, it's a kid who's he's worked his tail off at Indiana, and you just want to see him get better and improve to that next level. And and he and Race playing together uh, again is just a, another huge opportunity for Indiana to, to improve. And I just wrote about it at the big lead. It's going to be published in a little bit. I mean, with the additions Indiana's made and the guys they brought back, this is a Big Ten title contender. I mean, it, easily, you know, and, and might be enter the season as the favorite, uh, given the proven production back, given the two five-star recruits, given, you know, guys who have upside that haven't shown it yet, but are ready to in Geronimo and Tamar Bates. You've seen positives there. I just think that there's this great mix of young talent and proven veterans, and that's how you win in college basketball. You keep the core backbone guys for three, four years, and you bring in high upside talent. And that's what Indiana's done so far. And uh, the people you lost this offseason, you you, you wish them well, but you're not terribly sad to lose them. They might be taking minutes from people you really want to see out there long term. So it's a huge, huge, absolutely huge uh, a, a day for Indiana. Uh, again, I think that Indiana would have been a good team if, if Trace had gone pro, but I think that this just adds to the upside uh, because, again, there are a few better big men in college basketball. It's f- hard to count how many better, how many big men are better than him uh, in college basketball, especially if he comes back with a little more of a diversified game and, and can maybe step out and hit 15 footers and, and show that. And, you know, it's so funny when he would do that. You would see teams have to change the way they defend him, and it just opened up the floor for him, and it opened up the floor for Indiana. If he can do that, it's it's going to be a good year for Indiana. How does this impact Malik Renault's freshman season? You know, obviously he's a guy who was really successful at Montverde, highly rated recruit, is going to get some time. Is this a positive for him because now he gets to go up against Trace every single day in practice, even though he'll probably get fewer minutes on the court? Like, how do you see that playing out? Yeah, I think that it's a huge positive for him. Not only does he get to go up against Trace, but he also gets to be a freshman a little bit. You don't come in with all the weights of expectations of, well, kid, you got to start and you're going to have to put up numbers. If you're starting here, you're going to have to put up numbers. And I, I don't think he, 
I remember last year, we all got really upset when the second unit would be on the floor and be like, stagger the starters, put the starters in, you know, you have to. And, and Did I we mention that? We mentioned that I, a time from time to time. I still think you need to do that, like have at least one starter or starter caliber guy in with those guys. But you feel so much better about the second unit right now. I mean, so much better. Malik Renault. You'll probably have Huchifino running the point, you know, on that a little bit. Maybe Xavier runs it on the starters, and then Huchifino can can sort of do it with the backup. To, you know, Tamar Bates. I think is going to start, but maybe you mix him in with the younger guys, the upside guys. Jordan Geronimo, Trey Galloway. If he can get anything resembling a twenty five percent three point shot, you know what I mean? Like anything resembling a shot, you feel so much better about having those guys on the floor. And the other thing is. If there's any injuries, you've got guys you feel like can produce. I mean, guys are going to miss games. <clears throat> Last year, it felt like if one of the starters missed a game, you felt like, oh, man, we're, we're screwed. If one of the top three, especially, if it was Xavier or Race or, or Trace, missed a game, you were just like, oh, we're, well, all right, on to the next one. Let's save, let's save everybody's legs for the next one. And, and now you don't feel that way. You feel like you've got depth. You've got depth of talent. I, this is the most talented Indiana team since 2012, 2013. I mean, it, it, just the depth. And the amount of talent they have, I, I, I think it is. And it's not that, you know, they, it, it's not that they have the high-end NBA talent. They've just got talent throughout the lineup of guys who can do things and who are great college players. And it's, it's deep. I mean, it's deep. A guy like Anthony Leal can do things on a college basketball court. Like, he's what, your 11th man now? I mean, it, it's, it's a guy. <laughs> I mean, maybe, yeah, you know, Tony might be right. Like, that's a guy we've seen have some good showings on a college basketball court. And, and I don't like how, where's he going to slot in? Maybe he has a great summer and comes back in his elite, but think about the four freshmen you're bringing in. I mean, CJ guns, the only one you look at and you're like, he, he can do some things, but maybe we redshirt him just because there's so much depth ahead of him. You know, I mean, the other guys, you feel like these guys got to play. Caleb Banks got to play, you know? And, uh, and so it's, I don't know. It's really, it's just an interesting situation. And we're, you know, from where we were about mid season this past year to now, it's a completely different world for Indiana basketball. I think I would argue for the 2016 roster over this one, but the fact that it's a conversation is meaningful. Yeah. And that's your point. Well, yeah. I mean, you could go with, you could go with 2016 as well. Certainly. Um, I just felt like, I, I felt like the depth on this roster just it just edges that group. I mean, they had leaders though. That's the difference is they had those leaders who would close games and, and finish things off. And and Thomas Bryant certainly elevated. Um, but we got to see because if we'd had the conversation about the 2016 team in the off season, we wouldn't have known that OG Ananobi was going to be what he was going to be. Exactly. You know? So yeah. we got to see. No, you know, and, we got to let and this if play you look out. At NBA obviously. talent. If you look at NBA talent, that roster was certainly better. No question about that. Uh, you know, you had what three guys play decent chunk of NBA time uh, minimum yeah. no four four yeah. <laughs> and, and I right. don't know if you get that with this team okay so let me ask you guys this Ryan do you need to go no just give me five give me a minute okay go ahead um, no, no, go ahead yeah yeah so la- so last question for you and Tony I want to get your thoughts on this too and I know it's a little bit early because there's still some other dominoes to fall in the big 10 with stay or go decisions all that stuff but we spent a lot of time last year talking about okay what are the fair expectations and is Mike Woodson going to reach him in his first season? I think we all agreed he cleared the bar. Not by much, but we cleared the bar for kind of the minimum expectations. It. Now, as we look at next season, what are going to be your minimum expectations for what's kind of acceptable with this roster? Ryan, why don't you go first, then you can get out. And then, Tony, I want to get your thoughts on it, too. 
I mean, you have to compete for a Big Ten title this year. I I, I get it. Things happen in the season. Maybe you don't win it. But top top four, anything less than top four is unacceptable. You got to be in that mix. And I get the Big Ten's really tough. Again, injuries happen, whatever. You got to be in that mix. And what I've always said is the goal should be to control the things you can control. You can control winning a Big Ten title. And you can control, in my opinion, getting to the Sweet 16. After that, it's about matchups. You get lucky. You have to get incredibly lucky to win a national title. But I think this is a team that needs to be in the top four in the Big Ten and competing late in the season for a Big Ten title and has to make the Sweet 16. I mean, it's a disappointment if they don't. Not say, Again, I, I won't pull out the old, it's a disaster if they don't. You guys love to hang <laughs> on me. But it's a disappointment if they don't. This is enough talent, enough veteran talent specifically. Forget the freshmen. If you got all these veterans back and the, and the younger guys that you, you're returning, you'd feel like, okay, they need to take a step this year. They made the tournament. Now they got to get to that second weekend and they got to be in the up crap of Big Ten. Now you add you add that recruiting class and you're feeling like, hey, you know what? This team's got to go do something. And and this this has got to be another step forward. And then you bring in the next recruiting class and keep moving them up and 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 get your younger guys into veterans. And then you, you just build on that. And that's how you become a program that does that consistently, that does that top four in the Big Ten and Sweet 16 consistently. It should be the goal of this program to do that because you make the Sweet 16 enough, you're eventually going to break through and make the Final Four. You know, you're going to get some matchups go your way. You're going to get whatever. You're going to have more talent. The other Purdue guys makes the difference. Yeah, some schools. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. I meant at Indiana, guys. Um, but And then eventually you're going to win a national championship. You've just got to put yourself in that position, and eventually things are going to break your way, whether it's just, again, you get a guy like Trace decide to return instead of leave, that sets you up for that run. You know, I mean, you need to put yourself in that situation. And and I think they have talent-wise. Now they got to put it all together. I mean, Mike Woodson, we questioned his coaching at times this year. I'd never questioned his motivation or his ability to work with people and, and, and be a leader of men. You just question, how are they going to deploy him? And it looked better at the end of last season. Now you got to build on that. You got to absolutely build on that and take it to the next level. I think this is a team that's minimum top four Big Ten, challenging for a title and get to that sweet 16. Okay. I think a lot of people tend to agree with that in the chat. Ryan, thanks for hopping on on short notice. Go move. Go Padres. Ah, oh, geez. We'll edit that out. <laughs> All right. Hopefully I'm in by the end of the weekend guys. And uh, I'll be back on the show regularly. Let's hope so. All thanks right. man. Later everybody. Tony, are you on board with that? Do you think that's fair? But which, you know, basically is like double buy in the big 10 tournament, which means you're a top four seed. If you're doing that, you're probably a top four seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, depending on how the non-conference goes, but Indiana's going to have a good strength of schedule, and that would mean that you'd be favored probably in your first two NCAA tournament games. So, is that where we're going to set the bar? You think is double buy in the Big Ten tournament and make the Sweet Sixteen? I think so. From a macro level, you know, at a at a more micro level, which obviously leads to the more macro level. You know, I want to see IU finish games strong. Um, you know. I think that they've got enough veteran leadership to where, you know, the kind of those like we got to get them over the hump type comments aren't happening. Um, you know, like we, I feel like they kind of got over that hump by the end of the season last year, especially in the Big Ten tournament. Like, you know, there shouldn't be like lapses due to youth or inexperience or we haven't been there before type um, scenarios. Um, you know, so that's one of the kind of micro things I'll be obviously keeping an eye on. Um, you know, I think competing against um you know the blue bloods in the top tier competition you know th- there's gonna be some tough tough games scheduled and and not kind of laying down um against those opponents especially like a neutral site game against arizona um or, or you know 
against Big Ten teams on the road. Um, you know, you're, you're going to have off nights, we're, we're, but, you know, not stringing a bunch of those together. Um, you know, not, again, not, uh, you know, three or four game losing streak, um, particularly in February. Like that's been the norm, it seems, for several years now. Um, you know, having having the, the guys step up and, and kind of putting an end to, you know, if, if you lose a couple in a row, like bouncing back on a Saturday or something at Assembly Hall and, and um, kind of putting an end to that. And again, those little micro things lead to the macro picture of competing for a Big Ten championship um, and, you know, making some noise in March, uh, you know, whether that be a Sweet 16, like, as Ryan said, it, it's so hard once you get to March um, to kind of set expectations just based on matchups and just weird stuff happens, um, you know. And, and so if IU wins the Big Ten and, and they go lose in the second round of the NCAA tournament, while I'll be disappointed and they'll have been upset, like, I think I can live with that. Um, you know, by no means do I want that to happen or, or, or like, will I just be like, okay, cool. But, you know, I, I think there's, I think gauging the success of your season on just March um, isn't a valid indicator of, of your season as a whole. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think all of us are probably in agreement that competing for that big 10 title is, is kind of where everybody expects this, this program and this team to be. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I mean, there's so many interesting parts and pieces on this roster. Some of them proven, some of them not. You know, and as you started to think about, okay, what happens if Trace stays? What happens if Trace goes? You know, if a guy like Trace goes, well, now, you know, you're looking at Jordan Geronimo and it's like, okay, you know, so if Ray slides down to the five and Malik Renault will back him up and get some of those minutes, now you kind of open things up to where Geronimo is playing more of the four. You might even be able to play cop at the four and, you know, be a little bit kind of smaller and more dynamic on the wings. You know, now Trace is back. And, you know, for all the positives that that brings, and it is absolutely a huge net positive for Indiana, you're going to have him and Race playing 28 to 32 minutes at those four and five spots, you know, barring injuries, foul trouble, that kind of thing. You know, which means, you know, this idea of Jordan Geronimo playing the three really is going to have to come to fruition in terms of his skill development for him to maybe get up to that 20 plus minute range. But if he's doing that, where's Tamar Bates getting his minutes from? Or if Tamar Bates, you know, becomes just locked in at the two guard, where's Jalen Hunchafino getting his minutes from? Or where's, you know, Trey Galloway getting some of those minutes? And so it's always one of those interesting things. It's like we're constantly oscillating as IU fans between, oh my God, we have such a thin roster. We have like six guys that we think can play to, oh man, we've got like 13 guys that all, you know, should be playing. And of course, you know, the reality is somewhere in the middle. But you know, as you look at, okay, there's all these reasons to be optimistic. I think we all know the there's probably a ceiling on this team because of the shooting. You know, they can be as good as they want to be defensively, add these new dimensions offensively. You know, they probably can't be a top 10 team unless that shooting really develops and they're shooting 35, 36% from three-point range. It's just kind of the math of basketball is not going to work out enough for them. So we know that's over there. To me, the other way that this doesn't work, you know, or if, you know, if, if they're going to fall short of expectations, barring the stupid stuff, you know, suspensions or injuries, that kind of thing, is we know how important on a basketball team, everybody accepting their roles and truly embracing their roles can be. You know, we've seen a guy like Anthony Leal, you know, embrace, not 
playing a whole lot and, you know, being, you know, the best teammate that he can be. And by all indications, you know, everybody on this roster seems to have great chemistry and really seem to accept their role last year. But Tamar Bates is a year older. Jordan Geronimo is a year older. Those are guys that had options, that have options, that are going to have expectations. And you start looking at all the players now with Trace back, the math to get to the minutes is going to be interesting. You know, and so that to me is now, you know, where the leadership of the team and the coaching staff is really going to have to do an unbelievable job of defining roles, you know, allowing guys to kind of play into those roles and figuring out a way to keep everybody happy, even if they're not getting the amount of minutes that they may want. And that to me is going to be kind of the thing to watch um, as, you know, just something where it could be problematic, you know, especially if the team starts to struggle at all. Um, how do you look at that? I mean, kind of with a, with a coaching background and, and the parts and pieces, am I overplaying that? Or do you think that that's going to be, you know, really something that, that could be difficult for the coaches to navigate this season? Yeah. I mean, that's think of any team you lead, even in the workplace, you know, people accepting their roles and, and kind of gelling as one, like it's so important. Um, you know, what, what kind of is in the back of my mind and, and, would be, I think, in back of the coaching staff's mind. Now, they're not going to run their program based on this, but you're going to have three guys from those prep academies in Florida, and Tamar Bates, Jalen Hood, Shafino, and Renault. And, you know, Bates didn't get a ton of minutes last year, didn't have a lot of production. Um, you know, if if that happens again, and possibly with a Hood, Shafino, and a Renault not getting seeing a lot of production as freshmen, whereas these other five stars are out there flourishing on other programs, you know, does that start to kind of put an ugly stain on Indiana um, that, you know, you're not you're not going to be able to produce as a freshman um, if you, you know, even if you're a big time guy. Um, and so, again, I don't think that's how you don't like run your program to make those guys happy. But it is an element that you're aware of as a coach that like, you know, you're going to want to be recruiting these places heavily and you want your young guys to develop, you know, more so than anything. Um, so striking that balance of development of your freshmen versus, um, you know, your vets, you know, like you mentioned, race Thompson playing 28 minutes a game, like, you know, weighing, like he might be able to help you win some games in December versus a Renault playing some more minutes in those December games. But does that pay off more in March when Renault is a little more seasoned and, and able to, to play bigger minutes in bigger situations? So that's that's what's kind of on my mind with this whole thing is like it's it's a tough puzzle to put together um you know that's why Woody makes a lot of money to do it and his staff make a lot of money to do it because at the end of the day it can be tough and to be clear you'd rather have that problem (laughs) than not having enough guys to to play you know and that's when teams do great things is when guys embrace their roles and maybe they are good enough to be playing more minutes, but they just really excel in the minutes they have. And the good programs do that. You know, you've seen Villanova do that over the years and just, you know, on and on these really successful programs, by the way. Um, I mean, the tweet of the day clearly is, uh, is Trace Jackson Davis's tweet announcing he's coming back, but a great exchange uh, between Trace and Armando Baycott. Uh, Trace says, uh, trying to come to the crib for the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Armando Baycott retweets him. You know it's going to happen. Uh, tags ACC and, and the Big Ten accounts. Make it happen. <laughs> uh, which, look, would be unbelievable. I mean, you know, the schedule, I was fine with the schedule last year. I understand why they did it. You know, it's a new team. You don't know what you're going to have. Like, let's get wins and just 
find a way to get into the NCAA tournament. And I thought the best path last year probably was just try to rack up wins uh, and and do it. And it ended up working. This year, I mean, it is a night and day difference with the game scheduled against Kansas, the game scheduled against Arizona, probably being in the Gavit games, and then the ACC Big Ten Challenge game, which probably, you know, based on who hosted last year and the fact that they like to rotate who's hosting and then try to pit high-profile teams together, it's probably going to be either IU against North Carolina or Virginia. Uh, And now that Trace is back and Indiana may enter the season as the highest profile Big Ten team, if not, you know, one of two with Michigan, it seems like they would want to, you know, make that matchup with North Carolina, which would mean that Indiana would be playing three teams in the non-conference that right now are in Bart Torvik's top 10 in Arizona, Kansas and North Carolina, which is phenomenal. You know, now you got to go win, you know, one or two of those games. Um, But just to be on that stage is really going to be huge for Indiana. You know, I guess the way that I look at it, and I'm curious if you agree, is, you know, look, Indiana, you know, may, I mean, the one at home, if they, you know, if they get one of those games, you know, the game against North Carolina at home, they might be a favorite because they're at home. They'll go into Kansas and probably Arizona as an underdog, depending on what happens leading up to it. But I feel good with this group, with Trace back going into that game. Not necessarily that we're going to win because the truth is this team is probably going to play well at times this season and just not shoot well enough to win. And we're going to have to just understand that as frustrating as it's going to be. We're going to have those games where we probably go four for 19 from three. And it's like, damn, we did so many things well, but you know, we lost on the road because we just couldn't make shots. But I really feel like the difference now is we're going to play good enough defense to keep us in it, and we're going to be athletic enough to compete and to do more of the things that you talked about, you know, attack and be more dynamic on offense, not just be, you know, have two guys out there that have to catch and shoot, but have guys who can make some shots, but also attack a closeout and, you know, maybe create. And so that's what's going to be interesting and fun about those games is, you know, we're seeing Indiana develop now in Mike Woodson's second season into a program that plays more modern college basketball. The shooting's got to come around, and we know it. That's why they're targeting shooters in the next class. But you're probably not going to turn everything over at once, you know, and Mike Woodson has been able to turn over important parts of the roster while keeping the key cogs that were here when he arrived to be able to, I think, have a team that was competitive last year, can take another step this year, and then you look at it kind of beyond in the way that he's building it, it starts to look more and more modern. Um, But I'm excited about what this team is going to be able to do, because I feel like even in those games where you could argue that we'll be at a little bit of a disadvantage and may not have the shooting yet to win them, you certainly feel good about this team's ability to compete and go out there and not look out of place. And too often in these big stage games, Indiana's just looked out of place. It's like, man, we're not even playing the same sport as some of these bigger teams. And now I think we're going to. We just got to be able to execute the most important skill within that sport a little bit better. You know? <laughs> I know. I, I mean, you're right, though. I, I remember watching, you know, those Elite Eight games and Final Four games. I'm just like, man, like, I was just not on this plane yet. Um, and like you said, I think. I think it'll look more natural next season for IU to kind of be against the big dogs and, and showcase, you know, and not like, yes, IU beat Purdue last season, but, um, you know, that was very much a, a, um, an atmosphere as much as, you know, a sk- like that was just all the recipe was there for an upset and they did Rob it. Rob Finnessy's like, out of body experience. <laughs> yes, very much so, <laughs> which I'm grateful for. It was awesome. Um, but yeah, so it's, 
it's going to be exciting to just see, like you said, like just feel like you kind of belong, um, you know, towards the top upper echelon, um, you know, top 15 program t- team next season, hopefully, or somewhere around there. Um, you know, I'm excited just for like some big runs. Like that sounds weird and goofy, but like I remember with those Tom Crean teams, like they would just go on like 20 to 0 runs because they would get hot. Um, their defense was clicking and humming along. Like I can't think of many outside of like the Michigan game this season where IU just like went on a big run. Like, I I don't know. That's a weird thing to like <laughs> be excited about, but I think they have like the capability to do that because their defense is going to hold teams numerous times, four or five minutes without a field goal. Um, but having that click at the same time as the offense is like, that's fun. Like that's when basketball is exciting. Um, I take that back. The Purdue game, they had a big run as well um, when they got down big early. And then, like you said, Rob's outer body experience. Um, but yeah, like th- it's just a little things like that, that, you know, because of the roster that Mike Woodson has built that you foresee that now it's may a lot of things have to happen. Guys have to develop. Um, you know, we could be sitting here in March or next February and wondering what the hell went wrong. Like that's the beauty of college basketball is you have to play the games, but it sure is fun to be here on a Friday afternoon in May still talking IU hoops. Like, I think that's what makes this program special is you have crazy people like us and everybody in the chat mob that, you know, you can have a player come back and, you know, you can have emergency podcasts and there's a lot of people that are sitting and watching and we're talking about it. And I've been texting my friends about it all. Like that's exciting. Um, you know, and there's kind of a buzz about the program again, which is what we all want, you know, want to happen and then continue to, to move on the upward trajectory. Yeah, it is. And you know what? It's going to be really meaningful watching next year's team. Um, And what I mean by that is, you know, we kind of live in this age where rosters can really be put together quickly, right? It's like everybody talked about how the Iowa State coach came and like put this brand new roster together and they end up going to the NCAA tournament. It's like you can do quick turnarounds in college basketball. And yeah, with the transfer portal and some of that stuff, you can, um, but you're also, you know, just kind of watching this collection of guys kind of thrown together that you don't have a, a real deep kind of relationship with you haven't gone through stuff with them and what we're going to have with this year's team is a lot of guys that we've been through the battles with (laughs) you know as fans you know i mean we've been through so many ups and downs with trace jackson davis and with race thompson um you even though xavier johnson's only been here for one season kind of felt like it was two or three years worth of you know just ups and downs kind of packed in uh to that one and obviously you know the Maybe one still outstanding question in the offseason that we haven't mentioned is if he's going to face any disciplinary action come the season, um, you know, for his uh, his speeding violation. And we don't you know, we don't know uh, about that yet. Um, But, you know, we've you know, you've got in-state recruits like Trey Galloway and Anthony Leo that Indiana fans have just known for a long time. Um, And to me, that makes it more meaningful as a fan to watch this. You know, you, you think back to 2016. You know, that's part of what made it great is, you know, you had new guys like a Max Bielfeldt, you know, who came in and provided that huge boost. And you had freshmen like OG and and Juwan and Thomas Bryant, obviously, who provided a huge boost. But, man, the reason that kind of took that next level is seeing Yogi Ferrell fully realize what he could be. You know, and after missing a whole bunch of clutch shots in key moments, making the shot against Iowa, you know, and that was meaningful because of the three years that had come before it. Um, and that's what makes being a college basketball fan so special. And so for Trace to come back, you know, and be the centerpiece and have this opportunity to, 
you know, fulfill kind of the ceiling that we thought was there when he committed, you know, to another coach, Archie Miller, and things didn't work well there. Um, you know, but now to, you know, to be able to etch his name in IU lore and possibly play for a Big Ten contender and a team that's going to have potential, we think, you know, to make a run in March, it's just going to make the season so much more meaningful to to be able to go through it with that guy, you know, and those guys, you know, like Race and the others that we've that we've been through these battles with. So, I'm just I'm really appreciative of this opportunity because there are different ways to kind of build this thing and rebuild with college basketball, and I appreciate that you know Mike Woodson you know has built around some of the the key pieces and that those guys have believed in him and that we're going to get to see them play their final seasons. We don't get as many fourth and fifth seasons with guys. You know, or sometimes you got to see an, an Al Durham go off somewhere else. And sometimes those are good decisions for everybody. Like we'll be watching Rob Finnessy play in Cincinnati. Um, but keeping guys like Race and Trace who can play at this level and can be solutions to the problems, you know, that, that have plagued Indiana basketball, it's going to make this season a lot of fun and a lot of well-warranted anticipation. Absolutely. It to me, it kind of reminds me of of the Verdell Jones class and then the uh Yeah the Jordy class, you know, they, they went, they took some lumps, you know, for a couple of years. Um, but by the time those guys were seniors, you know, with Verdell um, was the year that they beat Kentucky. And then with Jordy and them was when they were preseason number one. Um, but those were guys that took some lumps and, and you kind of felt like you grew up with them. You know, that I went into college the same years uh, holes in those guys. So um, to me, like being a student with them, like I really felt like I was in the battle with them. Um, but yeah, it, it does kind of have that feel to it where it's like you're almost able to like kind of put a bow on it with some guys um, and, and kind of have some some finality where they see a lot of success. And, and um, you know, I, I hope I'm not overselling them um, or, or, you know, our, our expectations are too high. But I really I mean, like I said, the, the roster is there on paper that IU should be able to compete for a Big Ten championship. Um, you know, and I had somebody tweet me today it was like you know Michigan kind of had this last year where they had all their their pieces coming back they had a great recruiting class coming in and they're like they had a subpar season I'm like they did but they kind of took some lumps they went through the battle and then by March they were kind of seasoned and and um you know they went on a little bit of a run so again you don't tie all your success to March I don't think but um it's just there's so many different ways a season can play out and it's it's easy to say in May like we got to let it play out and there's going to be highs and there's going to be lows. Um, but I already know there's going to be those shows in, in January and, and uh, Ryan's <laughs> off the rails and, and, and it's, it's going to be great. I can, I can see it now. If they lose two in a row, this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> oh yes. Oh yes. It's Was coming. that a soundbite? Did you click a button for that? Or? <laughs> <laughs> no, man, you know, it's just, there's going to be a lot of expectations. And I think what we all want is to just see the team be as good as it can be. And it's just felt like for so long now we've had this team, these teams. Yeah, the rosters are incomplete, but it's never quite felt like it fully added up. And that's how it felt like most of last season was going. And then from the second half of the Michigan game, you know, through the Wyoming game, it's like, okay, this is what this group can be. They're flawed in all these ways, but this is them at their best. I can enjoy that. Because these are, you know, good kids doing the right things, playing hard. Let's just see what you've got when you're at your best. And now what's exciting is I think there's reason to expect that this team's best may be the best in the Big Ten. Maybe good enough to be a top 15 team in the nation. 
And that's fun to be there, to not feel like you're having outlandish expectations, um, you know, kind of having reasonable expectations uh, to do that. So I know we both have to go. Um, always fun to do these emergency podcasts. Let's get your, uh, your final thoughts here before we have to close up. Yeah, it's a day of excitement. It's kind of been an off-season of excitement. It's, it's gone about as well as you could ask. Um, you know, it'll be exciting going into June and July and hopefully see a couple more uh, 2023 guys commit or, or kind of, I, you know, get close to commitment with IU. And, um, you know, I think it's a great day to be a Hoosier. It absolutely is. Tony, thanks for being here uh, on short notice. Always happy to have you. Um, and by the way, in, uh, in other news today, that was not the only big news in Indiana basketball. Uh, the IU women's team announced that Allie Patberg is going to be their team and recruiting coordinator, uh, filling the same role for the women that Jordan Holes is feeling for the men. And, you know, I mean, look, those are two of the most beloved figures in Indiana basketball over the, you know, over really my lifetime, certainly over the last decade. But I mean, I don't think you're going to find too many people that were more beloved by the fan base. And so to have them in leadership roles, it just makes you, you feel good, you know, about, uh, you know, where those programs are headed and to have your star back and trace Jackson Davis, your anchor, uh, it's huge for, for Indiana basketball. So a very good day for Indiana. Um, I think it's going to set, you know, some expectations that, based on what Indiana has done over the last five or six years are going to feel kind of crazy. Um, but I would urge you if you're like, man, these guys are out of their mind talking about Indiana as a big 10 front runner, go look at the rosters, you know I mean? Go look at the rosters and see what's there. And I think you'll feel better that, all right, this team can be a top three, four team uh, in the big 10. I know we're all going to need to see it before we believe it. And we've kind of become weathered as a fan base to expect, uh, some of the worst. And as we talked about on this show there, it's not like everything is guaranteed to be successful. Um, there are reasons to still wonder if this is going to work and all that stuff. But, you know, we've got a roster now that if it's able to hit at or close to the high side of its potential can really do some special things. And I'm not sure that's actually been the case uh, for a while. But Trace coming back, makes that the case, and we have the really special opportunity to watch a four-year star and one of the most you know, statistically accomplished players in school history play his fourth season. And you don't get to see that as much now in college basketball. It's really special when it happens. And I'm just excited to kind of be part of that journey with him and with his teammates and with the coaches and with all of you to see what this team can do. So thank you for being here. Thank you certainly to Rick Bozich of WDRB, Scott Agnes of the Fieldhouse Files, to Ryan and Tony for being able to jump on here uh, for this impromptu emergency podcast. Always love doing these when the news uh, is this exciting. Um, so we will, of course, be back next Thursday with the latest edition of Assembly Call Radio talking even more about Trace's decision and what it means uh, in the grand scheme of things for next year. And if there's any other news <laughs> that breaks between now and then, we'll have an emergency podcast because that is what we do. But thank you for being here, everybody. And we will talk to you soon. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.